Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. So glad you tuned into the show today. We appreciate it very much. My name is Mike Schmidt. As you heard, I'm one of the hosts of the show and the preacher and one of the elders at the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard. And my partner today, as usual, is Gary Jones. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing fine this morning, Mike. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes, it is morning, I guess. We're, yes. We're recording a show today. This is not a live show. I usually will give you the numbers, how to call and reach us today. But um, due to some unforeseen circumstances, we're not able to be live on the air. So this was recorded sometime in the recent past. So we'll not be taking any calls today. We, I'll give you the text numbers maybe in a moment. You can text us about this show. Or you can email us, and I'll give you that contact information in just a bit here. So you can interact with the show, but it won't be live on the air. And so uh, we appreciate your indulgence in that. Hopefully next Lord's Day we'll be back on live and taking your calls. But we are thankful that you can be with us. We're trying to promote in this show the idea of being just a Christian and not part of some man-made denomination or just relying upon human thinking, human wisdom to decide what to do in our lives. We believe that the New Testament has the answer to that, how to guide our lives both individually and as a church. And so we rely upon that. And so when you do contact the show, we're going to give you references in the scriptures to point you to so you can read for yourself what the Bible says and then act upon that. And uh, when we talk today, we're going to be talking about you know the Bible, in fact, and we're going to be trying to point you in the right direction that way. We invite you to get a piece of paper and a pencil and write down not only the numbers how to get a hold of the show, but also any passages that we give you so you can look them up for yourself and read the Scriptures. I don't want to get too far afield in this, Gary, but we've talked about it before. The yes. Bible was intended to be read by people and understood, not just understood by a special group of religious people with their collars turned backwards, you know, so that but everybody, Paul says in Ephesians 3, 3 through 5, that that uh, he wrote these things down in a few words, whereby when you read, he says, you can understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ Jesus. It was revealed to Paul, the apostle, and others, and he wrote it down so we could read it. Jesus repeatedly asked the people of his day, the Pharisees in particular, have you not read You know what's in the law? He was pointing them back to what God had written through Moses at that time. And then he would say, uh, you know, uh, how readest thou, as we say? as the King James says, things like that. Well, he so made it he very, intended for us to read yeah, and understand it. He made it very important to look at the Scripture and see what they say. And and even in his teaching, he's, what did he say? And I don't remember the exact uh, verse, Mike. He said, you're going to give account of every idle word that comes out yes, of your mouth. Yes, Matthew, every idle word. An idle word is a lazy word. It's a word that you haven't thought through. Yeah. It's a, it's a, something that you haven't really thought about very much. And so... Um, that's that's something we need to to have in our minds that the word of God is as you quote all the time John twelve forty eight it's going to be what judges us exactly so we want to point ourselves uh, in the right direction because of that now in in so in this study of the scripture um, we we want to do talk about something this morning since we can't really have a discussion or take calls Gary and I chose a subject that would be beneficial, hopefully, to people, because I think it's something that is misunderstood. And it is about the Old Testament and the law of the Old Testament, and particularly the law of Moses in the the Bible, how it's often misunderstood and used today as if it were still in force. 
And then when you say the law of Moses is not enforced, people get upset about that. And so there's just a tremendous amount of misunderstanding. A lot of denominational teaching that is false is based upon this lack of discernment. Now, uh, most of the time, I, been, I've been, as I was growing up, I heard people use this verse in Second Timothy chapter 2, Gary, uh, uh, verse 15, 2 Timothy 2.15, where Paul tells Timothy, this preacher, I'm going to read the King James, the New King James here. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase more to ungodliness. Now, a, a lot of people would apply that phrase, rightly dividing the word of truth, it has many applications. It would mean discerning to prove what the Bible says properly and dividing it. And the, the Word of God does a lot of dividing. Even on day one in the creation, it divided light from darkness, you see. Yes. So, so the Word of God divides and, and separates and makes distinctions. And we need to respect those. They would also apply this phrase, <clears throat> rightly dividing, to the idea of discerning between the Old and New Testaments and the law that God gave to Moses and those people before Moses and the law that God gave under Christ, the law of Christ. And so when we don't distinguish those things, we're not rightly dividing the word of truth. And it presents itself in all manner of discussions, even the one we had a few months ago about the thief on the cross. One of the misunderstandings about that passage, uh, that incident on the cross, is they were still living under the covenant of Moses. Uh, why he wasn't baptized, because it wasn't required under Moses to be baptized to be saved. But it is what Christ gave the word to his apostles, that that's what we, they were or, to teach Or people. even, basically, we learn that Jesus had the power on earth to forgive sins in person, and there he was. And that, that's a manner of rightly dividing the word of truth. So let's talk a little bit about that idea. But maybe I should give the text well, numbers and well, stuff first, Gary. Okay, while you're, while you're thinking about that, let, yeah, me, let, me, let me make this point about the Old Testament. It is worthy of our study, okay? And that's one of the things that we're going to talk about today because in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul starts to talk about, he says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware of all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink. He goes on, but what he says in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 10, I think it's very important. He says, now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. He points back to the Old Testament as being profitable. Yeah, well, it's profitable. That's right. We, it's always profitable. That, that's what Paul makes the point to Timothy, that the word of God is profitable for instruction. So if what the scriptures he's talking about there uh, are as much as anything else the Old Testament. Testament. Whether we can bind or or make law based on the Old Testament law is another matter, which I want to talk to uh, talk about this morning because I think the New Testament's pretty clear on that. But let me give the text numbers before I forget. If you if you want to respond to this this show, or just talk, ask me and Gary a question at any time, we have, both have a text number that you can use during the show, but also uh, during any time during the week. And that is uh, my, Mike's number is seven seven two two six zero six one two zero seven seven two two six zero six one two zero. So write that down. You can use that number anytime. Gary's number is very similar seven seven two two six zero six two two zero. Now it doesn't matter who you text. 
we'll both get that and we'll both respond to it. But 772-260-6220 is Gary's number. And also we have an email address for the show, which you'd like to write a, a quick question or a long response. Either one is fine. You can reach the show by email at justchristians at att.net. Justchristians at att.net. So hopefully, like I said, next week we'll be back live and you can call in your question live. But if you want to do it some other way, we have a couple of other avenues for you to reach us. Now, I want to make in the notes that I have, and we don't have to go right down through these, Gary. I guess the big points of the notes I have in front of me, this is something I put together years ago. And maybe it can be improved, but it's something that's uh, sitting there. But I, the first point, I, and I want to read the points, then we can discuss them. Yeah, and we did this on a Wednesday night. And if you want to come to our our other services, this is the kind of thing that we do in some of our other Bible studies. This is a very good study. You can find a YouTube video of this from a week ago Wednesday, or maybe it was last Wednesday. You can find a video. Well, last Wednesday would be, what, October... 12th, something, something like, like that. Something like that. Uh, last Wednesday was, yes, October 12th. You can find a video of this on YouTube under Church of Christ Savona Boulevard. But this uh, would be typical of what, you, yeah, what, you, you, what right. you'll encounter when you come to, to our, our Bible, Bible studies. And it's interactive. People are asking questions, making comments about it. But anyway, uh, I have salvation has always been a matter of grace, and salvation was not the intention of the law of Moses. Secondly, the purpose of the law was a temporary purpose in the first place, and it wasn't meant to be a permanent institution. Thirdly, there's no need for the old law today because of Christ. Fourth, that even if all the other reasons that I've given in this are false, and I have a whole list of things here, the New Testament still specifically condemns following the law of Moses as a religious law. Then I have some necessary conclusions if the old law is still in force. There's some conclusions you have to come to if you're going to if you're going to say it's still in force. And people today, what they do generally, Gary, is they want to mix the old and new together, like the Catholic Church with their physical earthly priesthood, a special clergy of priesthood that stands between God and man. That's a going back to the law of Moses, the incense and the other things of having an altar. Uh, there's no altars in the New Testament like that, but they have an altar and they have incense and they have all these things, special robes for the priest. These are just a few commonly seen examples of going back to the old law. Me- mechanical instruments used uh, in in the worship are is a vestige of the old law of Moses. So those are a few of the things that people uh, put forward that cause a lot of problems. There's a whole whole denominations based on not eating certain foods, which is a vestige of the Old Testament. Whole whole doctrines of the Catholic Church about, you know, uh, they would say celibacy. I'm not, I'm not sure how you get that in priesthood, but um, they would go back to certain laws of the Old Testament about that. But then, and keeping the Sabbath day as a particular holiday is a yeah, vestige and, of the Old Testament, which is prominent in many religious denominations yeah, and i'll just try this on you mike because i think one of the things that we really first think about when we say the old law was done away with is the ceremonial aspects of it there yes. are there are some precepts and some moral guidance that's given there that that Actually, Jesus, in many cases, quotes from the Old Testament and brings that over for us into the New. Well, that, and my point would be, about that would be that it's very difficult. Number one, it's difficult to 
to make the distinction between ceremonial and and moral or whatever you want to do. You've got to people aren't ever going to agree on that, and and, and that's but that's true. That and, it, and that's part of the difficulty. But, of and it. that's a difficulty of it. And secondly, uh, I, Jesus brings it over, so it's there in the new. We need to understand that. If you go back and talk, about, well, I'll give you an example where this gets confusing, and we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Well, I, so today, people, sorry, sorry about that's that. That's okay. But, people will say, well, we need to have a biblical view of marriage. And so then unbelievers will say, well, you mean like polygamy and having concubines? You mean that view of marriage? Not having sex with your wife and she's on her period? You mean that view of marriage? You know, a, a biblical marriage? Well, that's in the Bible, of course. The question is, is that what Christ said we should be doing? The question the is, 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 no. is that bound is today? Is that bound today by Christ and his law? No, it's not. And so, yes, you, you can talk about a biblical view of this, but you need to be a little more specific, usually, about those things. Well, so, let, me, let me give you another one, then. Let's, let's, let's swing back the other way if we're going to go with examples. Let's look at Matthew 12. He says, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. And he talks about that, and basically in another place, in Matthew 12, he says, but I say to you that for every idle word men speak, they will be give an account for the day of judgment you know we talked about that earlier in this and yet when we come back to some other things that we see in the old testament i go to numbers chapter 30 and verse says for um, numbers chapter 30 and verse 2 and uh, let's see it's not coming up mike uh what happened i'm locked up numbers for you shall do according to all that proceeds out of your mouth. That's part of the Old Testament law in Numbers. Isn't yeah, that exactly that, that, that preceded Moses too? Yeah, that preceded, that preceded Moses. Moses. That's that's that that's the, simply the moral law of God. It's not a part of the Old Covenant, at, for one thing. But it's also repeated in the New Testament. It's been repeated it's in the New Testament. The so we're not saying you don't pay any attention to anything before the Book of Matthew or before the Book of Acts. More particularly, right, we're right. not saying that at all. We're saying you have to rightly divide the word of truth. truth and that's now, the, the fundamental thing I think that people misunderstand. Sorry about is, getting ahead of that's you That's okay. There. But I think the fundamental thing, we have to set up why people should even care. This is an important topic for understanding the Bible. And there are a lot of people listening to this show who are sincere about trying to understand the, the Bible, Bible. Or they probably wouldn't even be listening to this show. And so we're trying to get some of that out of the way. And yet, yet a lot of people, even the questions that are sometimes asked, show uh, a confusion about this. And that is that salvation has always been a matter of grace and was never the intention of the law of Moses. People have the idea that God gave the law of Moses to the Jews so they could be saved. And that if you didn't keep the law of Moses as a Gentile, you wouldn't be saved. So he, he only, I guess we even go back further than that. The law of Moses was only ever given to the people at Mount Sinai, not even all of Abraham's descendants, because he had other other children and descendants who were not part of not descended from Isaac and Jacob the law of Moses was specifically given to the people at Mount Sinai and right. their descendants no Gentile no Roman no Greek was ever under the law of Moses unless they voluntarily did so like the they Ethiopian a, eunuch a proselyte. a proselyte people like that and there are proselytes like Ruth and other people but they voluntarily did so they were not under the law of Moses by birth, as were the children of Israel. So to I, the idea of applying the law of Moses to people today really has no foundation whatsoever because they were never under it. 
And secondly, then none of the Gentiles would ever be lost because they didn't keep it. No, no Roman before Christ was ever lost because he didn't keep the Sabbath day. It was only given to the Jews to keep the Sabbath day. As far as the law of Moses is concerned, should they have worshipped God? Yes. Now, we're not saying they were under any law. It's obvious people before Moses were under law, uh, as we'll discuss in a moment, but not under the law of Moses. But the law of Moses, salvation, I should say, was always a matter of grace. And so you go back to the promises God gave Abraham in Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, and then in Genesis 22, about verse 15, where he says, In you and your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. The seed, of, the seed, according to Galatians 3, that he's talking about there is Christ. Not the Jews, but Christ. In your seed will all the nations of the earth be blessed. That's the promise God gave to Abraham. It was based on the promise God gave to Eve when she sinned. Adam and he told Satan that that uh, the descendant of this woman, this woman here is going to be your adversary, her seed is going to bruise your head. You'll bruise his heel, but he will bruise your head. And that's Genesis 3.15. That's Genesis 3.15. That's the first promise of salvation. And then that becomes clear as you read the book of Genesis to be fulfilled in Abraham, and first starting in chapter 12 and then repeated in chapter 22 and in a couple other places he mentions it. So this is the central promise. Now, the Bible then says that in, in uh, Galatians chapter 3, that this promise, as it were, uh, that this promise was still in force later on, but God added the law of Moses in alongside the promise. It didn't annul the promise, didn't replace the promise to Abraham, but he brought in the law alongside the promise alongside it in order to keep the Jews as his people in check. Okay, it was brought in alongside. And so you can go to... Um, That's Galatians 3.19. It says, for what purpose yes. then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed right. through angels by the hand of a mediator. That's... Galatians 3.19. Right. And he goes on to tell them there, if I can find the, the verse a little bit later in that chapter, therefore the law was, it says that uh, before faith came, verse 23, we were kept, we being the Jews, kept under guard by the law, the law of Moses. The faith here is Christ. The law here is the law of Moses. We were kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. And he, so he says the law then was a tutor or schoolmaster, some versions say, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. There's the justification, by faith. But after faith has come, we were no longer under a tutor. So yeah. I'm equating faith and grace here. Faith represents man's part uh, of the equation. Grace represents God's, God's part. part. They're the two together. That's how we're saved. That's God's intention. And the result but of the law was added to keep people in, keep the Jews in check until that Messiah could be brought into the world. And if you had faith, the result of that was in Galatians 3.26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus, right. for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's the result of that. Right. Now, as I explained in our class the other night, this idea of a tutor, that the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ, a tutor in that time is not what we think of as somebody who sits down and, and does a lesson with you to 
help you. The tutor was going over the lesson, but the tutor was a slave or a servant who would take the child from the parents to the teacher to be taught. And along the way, the tutor would go over the lessons, as they picture here, go over the lessons that they were going to study and get them ready to go to class. So he would do the things we think a tutor would do. And in addition to that, he was a physical leader. Physical, got a hold of the kid and took him to the teacher. Right. So that's the idea of keeping him under ward or in check. The law was strict, meant to be that way, was a laborious thing to keep them in check until they could get to the teacher. The teacher here is Christ. And so the was, law was given to only the Jews to bring them through to Christ so he could be born and, and save all men. And it the literally was given it, to every family. It literally forced them into physical action. Yes, by, by making a very strict law that, that changed. The law of Moses was not just a, a strict for some absurd reasons, although it may seem that way. It, it was meant to affect every aspect of their life from what they ate what clothes they wore, where they planted their crops, how they had sexual relations, everything that they did was affected by the law of Moses. So that person, if they were going to keep the law, and they were supposed to if they were going to be a Jew, a faithful Jew, then they were kept in ward. Did they do that? No, they broke it, but it still affected them and kept them uh, as such. God had to discipline them and all that. Their misguided things. attempts to do that physically Sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. Yeah, and then by the time you get to Christ, they perverted it for their own will, yeah. and you got the Pharisees and Sadducees saying they're keeping the law, but they're not really keeping it. So the intention of the law of Moses was just in addition to God's covenant of grace he gave Abraham to keep the Jews in check, the Hebrews in check, until the Messiah could come through them for the purpose of saving all men. And then the law was done away. It was never intended to be a means of salvation. They were people were still saved by faith. Now, here's the thing. If God gave you the law of Moses because you were a Hebrew, the only way you could show faith in him was to obey that law. So you're going to be saved by faith, which meant in his case, he had to obey the law of Moses. If you were a Gentile, it wasn't that. He was showing faith in God and trying to do what God said. And that's where the verse that you mentioned earlier, I don't know if it was on the air or not, Gary, in, in Romans 2, about verse 14, Romans about, 2, 14. about the, Ju- the Gentiles before the law of Moses. Yeah. Who, for, who when, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these also not having the law are a law to themselves. Now remember, the law of Moses was added. Here's the Gentiles being carried through to the time of Christ doing the things... <laughs> Doing by nature the precepts. Of, one, one translation says do the precepts of the law. Yeah, a precept is a teaching, teaching and a commandment. Yeah. There, God, God expresses his will by plain statements and by, by commands and by inferences. And precepts included, in all included in all of that. Uh, you learn by what God says about things is direct statements of fact. And then you learn by what he says to do about them by the commands or by the negative commands even. And, and what Jesus says, if you, what did he say? If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. And that's the idea of the faith there. So the purpose of the law then was not to save. It was a temporary purpose. So for you today, and these religious denominations out there, and you may be a part of one, I'm not trying to attack you or say that people are bad. I'm trying to say that they're incorrect or mistaken about this. That go back and try to, try to enforce commandments from the law of Moses as if they are valid today are talking about something that was only given to a specific group of people 
for a temporary purpose. It was never intended to be a permanent one. It says here in Galatians 3. Now, I, the big chapter on this in your Bible, there's two places, is the Galatians, the whole book, especially chapters 3 and 5. And then also the book of Hebrews, chapters 8, 9, 10, around in there, you'll see these same things, and we'll probably deal some more with those in a minute. But Galatians 3 is not an easy chapter. It's not like reading, you know, the Proverbs or something. It's, an, it's a harder chapter. So you have to go read it and pay attention. I'm gonna, but I want to read a little bit of it, Gary, uh, to see if we can explain along the way. This, this, will, this is where much of this information will come from. He asks, what purpose then does the law serve? And that's a, what you might be asking. Mike, Gary, you know, you're telling me that all, half the Bible does not apply directly as a law today. Well, what good is it then? Well, it had a purpose and still has a purpose, as you mentioned. It still has a purpose. What is it? Well, he says, Paul says in Galatians 3.19, it was added because of transgressions, because of people's tendency to do whatever they want, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a little bit later, he says, this seed is Christ. He says, seed as of one, not seeds as of many. Jews today will tell you, many will tell you, that, that the nation of Israel or the Jews are the seed that God made the promise to. They're the blessing that God that the Jewish nation is how God is going to bless the world. That's incorrect, according to the New Testament. That's wrong. The seed is Christ, Jesus Christ. And he says that this law was given till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, the promise to bless all nations through him. And he says, now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. And then he says uh, in verse 21, is the law therefore against the promises of God? Well, certainly not, or God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. So he's saying the law of Moses could not give life. It, and Hebrews tells you the reason it couldn't, Gary, is because the blood of bulls and goats could not take away sin. Right. They stood for something. They were symbols. They were predictive symbols of the blood of Christ. But the law of Moses was never designed to truly, finally, completely take away sin Otherwise, there wouldn't be any need for another law. But the scripture has been confirmed, has confined all under sin. And that's what Romans 3 says, that all is sin and comes toward the glory of God. That the promise might be given to those who believe. But, but before faith came, we were kept under the law, under guard by the law, for the faith which would afterward be revealed. And then we go back to these verses again. For the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, verse 24 that we might be justified by faith, but after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. And then he says the verse you mentioned before, verse This, this is the result, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith, not through right. the law, but through faith, faith in Christ Jesus, not in, the, not in Moses. But, it, but your faith is seen or made perfect through that obedience to Christ. Right. For we did, don't, don't think that faith is just mental acknowledgement. That's, that's what I want to right. get well, it, away from it's, that. It's interesting here that you mention that because the next verse says, for as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So people say, oh, no, you just have to have faith only and not baptism. Well, these two verses right next to each other show Ted you that simply minute. isn't true. Exactly. Okay? That simply is, a, is yeah. an don't, don't, don't Don't get the idea that, that your faith works just as belief alone. It has to have obedience right. with it. So the purpose of the law was temporary. And that's why Paul goes on in Galatians 5, a little bit over in the book, 
Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you us free, free from the law, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. Not that circumcision per se is bad, but circumcision as a means of salvation will not save you. What he's really using circumcision as an example of, Gary, is someone who says, I need to keep the law of Moses or I'll be lost. That's my means of being saved. I've got to eat what the Jews ate. I've got to put, get myself on that Sinai diet, you know, or whatever they call it. I've got, to, I've got to circumcise my children. I've got to wear certain clothes. They pick out parts of the law that they like. Keep the Sabbath day, all the other things that they do. Uh, but he says, I say that if you become circumcised, you go back to this law of Moses to be saved, you ha- are profited nothing. It won't give you anything. So I testify to every man who becomes circumcised, he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You want to go back and keep circumcision or the Sabbath day? or you got to keep whatever, it all. You better keep it all. So get busy reading because it's a complicated law. Those of you who have on cotton and rayon or cotton and linen need to get home, go home and get changed because you cannot wear, in the law of Moses, two different kinds of cloth on your body. you got a garden out in your backyard and you got tomatoes and, and squash in the same garden. Get rid of one of them because you can have one crop in your field not two crops in your field. So the law of Moses is filled with things like that that people ignore, but they pick out a few that they think are important. Yeah, so, so this is what he says. You're estranged from Christ, he says, you who tempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Now imagine uh, the idea that people say that uh, you can't fall from grace. <laughs> Paul says, <laughs> if you go back and keep the old law, as a means of salvation, you've fallen from grace. You're, you're not there anymore. So in any event, um, that's part of the reason it was temporary. The other thing I would say is, you go to the book of Hebrews now, chapter 10. The law, he says, is a shadow of the good things to come, but not the very image of the things, which can never, with those same sacrifices, which they come continually offering year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. So he says here that that it's not possible the blood of bulls and goats can take away sins, and therefore the law, law of Moses, had to be a temporary law. In in fact, in its purpose, because those sacrifices have ceased, and they had to cease because they could never save anybody. They were simply a type and a shadow of good things to come. So here's the cross standing there, and the light from the cross from Christ is shining backwards in time, creating a shadow on the ground. The law of Moses is that shadow on the ground. It looks like something. It's something. And it, it, ha- leads, it, it, it leads ha- you ha- to, you follow the shadow, you'll get to the cross. It has but a it isn't form. The thing. It has a form, but not the substance. It has the form, and it shows you where the cross is. It leads you there, but it is not the thing that will save you. That's the point he's making here by this shadow and this type in this case, which, is a, which shows you that it is, um, it's, 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 he says if the, if, in chapter 8, verse 7 of Hebrews, if the first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been found for the second, you see. But finding fault with the law, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, and quotes Jeremiah, 
31, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Jacob, not according to the covenant. A new covenant, he says in verse 13 of Hebrews 8, Hebrews 8, 13, in that he says a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. That's the law of Moses. Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And, of course, the way the he, that's a Hebraism for is vanished away. If you, so, look in, if you look in Jeremiah 31, 31, he says a new covenant that he's going to make with the house of Israel. Why? Because my covenant they broke. They broke it. But he said it's not according to that same covenant. Right. So it's we're not, living not, under a not, new one today. It's not going to be like that covenant. Now, this goes back to the point that you make every show. Jesus says that in the last day, my words will judge, judge you them. in the last day. Jesus said that. And that's the point we're trying to make here, basically. It isn't Moses' words or Jeremiah's words that will judge us in the last day. Not even Abraham's words, per se. It's Jesus' words. That's why we emphasize this on this show. We follow the New Testament ordinances. We learn from the old. We gain insight on the new from the old. And we find the principles there. But we're looking, they're types and shadows of the real thing. And so we're going to, we urge you to follow Christ rather than uh, some little pulling here and there pieces from the Old Testament. Yeah, it's, and people it, do this all the time. And I think, you know, let's, let's read that verse. I think that verse is worth reading. It's John 12 and verse 48. It says, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Now, that word is the body of teaching that he talked about. Right. It's it's not just one word that he said. It's the body of teaching that he gave that he gave personally and also through the Holy Spirit to his apostles. Right. So. Now Romans ten four also says that Christ is the end of the law unto righteousness to everyone who believes. So the, the word end there means the point, the end, the terminus. It means the point, the purpose of the law. Christ is the purpose of the law of Moses. So now that you have now you have the real thing. You know, in my closet at home, Gary, I have somewhere buried in the back of it the plans that my brother drew for the house I now live in some 25 years ago. I have a set of plans. I have the plans he drew, and I have then the ones we finally built the house by, which is stamped by the city and all that kind of stuff, or the county. So I used to love to look at those plans, and when we were building that house, it was important to know the plans. I needed to know the plans. I needed to understand the plans. I needed to follow them, and I could picture a house. But now I'm living in the house for 25 years. How often do you think I pull those plans out and, and, and worship the plans? How often do I go back and try to follow those plans? I don't. But how often? They, they teach me, if I want to know some specific thing about what's where, I can go look at the plans and well, see that. That's, that's my point. How I often do, when you're, when you're living in the house, does something come up that I need to know what that plan is? Right. But, but that isn't the way that I live my life. That's not the, the purpose of the plan is to point you to the real thing. Now that we have the real thing, the Bible says, why would you go back and live according mm-hmm. to the yeah. shadow or the image or the sketch, the words that are used in the New Testament Greek? To go to live by that, you you have the real thing here, Christ and, and His law. So, and the other point that I make about the, the the fourth point would be that even if you don't buy all these reasons, the New Testament still very specifically condemns following the law of Moses as a religious law. 
It doesn't condemn following it as uh, in the sense that you're learning from it or that you, are, you, you gain insight into Christ by it. But as far as keeping it as a religious, uh, a religious observances by what you eat, by what you wear, by mer- you know, all those kind of things, we have to be concerned about. We have to realize that New Testament condemns that as a uh, it condemns it as a means of salvation so when you look at Galatians chapter 5 I think I just read this a moment ago but he says stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage for indeed I Paul say to you that if you become circumcised meaning as a religious law Christ will profit you nothing and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Now, I need to clarify it once again because people get all confused about that. There isn't anything in the world wrong with you being circumcised or you circumcising your children. Uh, in fact, I think it's rather ironic that the more secular we have become as a society, the less circumcision is practiced in the United States. But that's another side point. There's no, religious ben- there's no religious benefit or godly benefit to being circumcised. We could argue over the health benefits and family choices, identity. We can argue over all. And, and if your heritage is Jewish, even though you're a Christian now, but your heritage is, is, is Hebrew and you want to circumcise your children, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're keeping it because you think it makes you more holy, makes you obedient to God to be circumcised, Paul says you're entangled again in a yoke of bondage and it profits you nothing. He says Christ profits you nothing. You become a debtor to keep the whole law, he says in verse 3. So be careful about having these religious notions about what you eat or whether you're circumcised as if God gave those laws. There are people that I know that won't eat pork because God told the Jews not to eat pork or shrimp. That's okay if you don't want to eat pork or shrimp. Leaves more for me. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> but, but, but the fact is, it does not profit you religiously at all to do that. Okay. Uh, in fact, it can become a hindrance to you because it makes you feel more righteous by some external act that you do when you're not really more righteous at all. It can be a form of, of self-righteousness in well, establishing it, your own righteousness, but it isn't a matter of salvation. If you don't want to eat shrimp or pork, okay, that's fine. But don't keep it as a religious law. It profits it's, you it's, nothing. That's kind of what Paul is getting to, I think, Mike, in, in Galatians 5.13. He says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Not only do, do, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you, bat, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. He's, he's cautioning them against, okay, you can bite one another and devour one, one, one another if you're careful about the words you say, but the end result's going to be the same. Right. right. The end result is going to be you're going to consume the, one another. These things end up being divisive. He say you should, you know, and Jesus talks about we shouldn't do things out of selfish ambition. We should do things out of love for one another one of the examples he gave he washed his disciples feet at the last supper what did he say he says i have given you an example he says i came to serve not to be served he came to serve us he gave us an example of service and and that's 
Once you're out from under all these details of this law, you have a tendency, I think, to do essentially what the Jews also did. Basically, they figured out ways around the law. We're figuring out That's ways around figuring out ways around ways love of Christ. Around right. So, so he says he says in this in Galatians five, verse five that or four that if you keep this law as a means of religious salvation, you're fallen from grace. That's a specific condemnation of keeping the law, keeping the law of Moses as a religious law. And uh, in Romans three twenty eight, as far as this condemnation of this is concerned. He says, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So Paul is very clear that a man can be saved and is saved today apart from the deeds of the law. So therefore, requiring people to be keep the law of Moses is certainly not uh, something you could do religiously. Now let me make another point, Gary, real quick. I, I know I'm talking a lot here today, but... Um, I, if a person was raised, and I've known several people like this in my life, raised as a Jew or in a Jewish home, and, and most Jews are not religious at all, by the Jews by heritage, but some of them are. Many of them, I, I've known atheist Jews who still go to a Passover Seder. That seems crazy to us because a Passover is a religious thing to us Gentiles. But they would go to a Passover Seder, Seder with their family, even though they're atheists, wear a yarmulke, eat the food, do all the things that they do at the Passover. Why? Because that's their culture and heritage. It's like Americans celebrating Thanksgiving. But if you're an American in Indonesia, don't expect all the Indonesians to keep the fourth Thursday of November as a holiday. It's only a holiday in the United States. And so it is with being Jewish. Today, it's pa what Paul was saying to these Jews here in the first century, it's okay to do the things of the law, but not as a means of salvation. I think I see that in Acts 22, I think it is, where he goes and pays the charges for a vow that some Jews had made at the temple and so forth. He's not urging them to keep the law. He's simply doing... The law was a civil thing, and they kept it because they were living in a Jewish country, and they were Jews in a civil or ethnic way. Well, so it, if you want to if you want to practice these things because it's your family heritage, that's fine. But you need to be saved through Jesus Christ, not through the ordinances of Moses. Well, these ordinances of Moses forced you into an action, and a lot of times I think in their case that action was independent of their belief. They did not necessarily believe in no, that it, action. It was a civil it, law. It was forced into that. I think Paul addresses that in Romans chapter 2 and verse 28. He's, he, he, he opens up the idea that the law of Christ, I think, is something that is much deeper embedded in the Christian. He says in verse 28, For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Yeah. It comes from the inside. And, of course, we find out later that circumcision of the heart is actually baptism. Yes. That's the removal of the flesh. Uh, but the, but basically, I think this is what, when Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, 
what has to be the basis for what we do in keeping his commandments? That's love of Jesus. Right. And that's also equivalent to faith. Um, so th- I, think that's, I think that's what Paul's getting at right. there in that verse 28. Uh, so, yeah, so he says we're justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. We also see in Ephesians 2 where Paul says, in, in speaking to both Jew and Gentile, he says in Ephesians 2.14, For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, both Jew and Gentile. They're no longer separated, they're one. And has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandment, contained in ordinances. And so to create in himself one new man from the two things, thus making peace. So he says he broke down and abolished in his flesh this difference between the Jew and the Gentile. Well, what it was was this. Before Moses came along, the Jew and the Gentile were both under the law that God had given the patriarchs. Yes. After Moses, the law of Moses was added into it, into the promise. Jew and Gentile were separated. Some of the main features of the law of Moses was to separate the Jews from the rest of humanity in their culture and in their habits and in their law. And he says that Christ on the cross abolished this enmity. That became not just a difference, but enmity over time. The law of Moses created this enmity between or, or animosity between Jew and Gentile. But he broke it down. That is, he abolished the law of commandments contained in ordinances. That's the law of Moses. So to create one new man. So here's telling you very clearly in the New Testament that the law of Moses has been abolished by Christ in his crucifixion and in his flesh. And he wiped out, in Colossians 2.14, it says the same thing here, that he wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he's taking it out, has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So here he calls it the handwriting of requirements or ordinances that was against us, and he says it's contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, very specifically telling you the position of the law of Moses today in this case. And so many people uh, have really forget that. And, and just, just to go back again so we're clear, the law of Moses existed in time for a segment of time given to the Jews until that covenant was ended and the new covenant came in place. But basically the Gentiles were still under that under that patriarchal law or law of nature. The law from the beginning, yes. The law from Uh the beginning. But it all ended with Jesus Christ. Both of those laws ended with Jesus Christ. And now what? Yes, and and that's why I don't, that's why I, uh, let me think what I was going to say here. I'm sorry, my phone was ringing. Um, Well, Paul, while you're thinking, Paul Paul says in Acts, in Acts 17, around verse 29 or 30, he's talking about uh, the images and idols. He says, therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think of the divine nature as like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art or man's devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. That's Jesus Christ. Yeah, now that's the verse, that's what I was trying to remember. 
Oh, that's okay. the verse I had in my mind. The all men everywhere. Yes. And, and the phone interrupted it. But well, that's, yes, that's, that's, the that's Acts 1730. Yes. So to, it used to be that there was a difference between the two for the time mm-hmm. period between Moses and the cross. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent and follow Jesus. Now, this really goes back, although you can say it's not a conclusive case, to your verse in John twelve forty eight, that, okay. that, that my words will judge you in the last day. day. Whose words will judge us in the last day? Christ's words will judge, judge us, us in the last day. not Moses' words. And so that's the point. I think that's part of the point he's making. Well, it says he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Right. So the resurrection is the is the key event that then means that Christ is going to be uh, the one to whom we appeal to our salvation. Well, that that's another thing that Christians, I think, in general miss is the importance of the resurrection. Oh, yes. Very much so. We could spend Very the whole so. almost we the whole another, show. Right. We're gonna, I don't want to get sidetracked on that, but you're exactly right. It, it's it is uh, the crucial the crucial event. Now, the other way you can look at this, the other some of the other scriptures that directly condemn keeping the law of Moses as a religious law are found, like in the book of Hebrews, for example, chapter seven. Now, the, the book of Hebrews especially in this part of it, is also difficult to read like like Galatians and Romans because he's making logical arguments here that have to be carefully followed. But he says, in speaking of, uh, of the different, he's trying to, the book of Hebrews is written to Christian, who are people who are now Christians at that time, who were born as religious Jews, and they've been baptized into Christ now. With the Jewish heritage, they've been baptized into Christ. And their tendency is to go back. And, they, and they're, now they're being tempted to go back to keep the law because it's appealing. It gives you certainty about a lot of things and other, other reasons. Um, there were teachers called, do we call them Judaizing teachers, who were telling you, yeah, you can be a Christian, but you've got to keep the law of Moses. And so that were, that's what Paul was fighting. And the book of Hebrews is written to address that issue. And he says, therefore, in Hebrews seven eleven. If perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, that means salvation or perfection, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron? He's pointing out that the prophecy was in Psalm 110 that the Messiah would be according to the order of Melchizedek, a priest after the order of Melchizedek, who was a figure from Genesis 13 and not according to Aaron. And so he says, in the law of Moses, the perfection, the reaching God was attained through the priests of Aaron and Levi, not Melchizedek. So he says, since the priesthood's been changed, and we're now living under the priesthood of Melchizedek, the law that established that has to have been changed. For the priesthood being changed, he says in verse 12, of necessity, there was also must be a change of the law. So right there, the fact that Christ is a priest today after the order of Melchizedek, not after Levi. He he can't be a priest after the order of Levi he and Aaron. He can't be a priest under the, under the, law, of of the law of Moses because he was of the tribe of Judah. And the book of Hebrews makes that point. may probably read that in just a moment. So if you want to go back and serve the law of Moses, you don't have Christ as your priest. You can figure out your own priesthood because you don't have Christ as your priest. In fact... If you want to keep the law of Moses today, you would have to believe that Christ is an imposter. 
You know, right. what, what, which right. king was it, Gary? Uh, not Ahab, but one of them. Um, I can start with an A, I think. It's in my mind. W- tried to offer up sacrifice. Uzzah. Was it uh, Uzzah? Uzziah? Uzziah. Tried to offer up sacrifices uh, as a king, even though he wasn't a, a priest. <laughs> and, and God struck God him with God le- struck him with leprosy. So why doesn't he do Christ the same way? He's, he's now the priest, but he's not under the law. If, if you believe that you've got to keep the law of Moses, and you should keep it, and you want to go back to the Old Testament priesthood and wear the fancy robes and sat, serve at an altar, yeah. and, and I've, you've I've, got a problem. I've always thought that, that that harsh punishment came because he tried to be something that was reserved for someone Only else. Only for God specified. In fact, the book of Hebrews makes the point that he says of which tribe, we, we know that our Lord arose out of Judah, Judah. he says in Je- Hebrews 7, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priests. Right. So he uses the law of silence. Says Moses didn't say anybody from the tribe of Judah could be a priest. He only said Levites could be a priest. Therefore, Jesus cannot be a priest according to the law of Moses. But he is a priest according to the law, according to the God's word, the prophecy of Melchizedek. So he also says in Hebrews 8, speaking of Christ, he has now obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is the mediator of a better covenant, which is, was established on better promises. So Christ is not the mediator of the old covenant, the law of Moses. Angels were the mediator. Moses was, but not Christ. Christ is the mediator of a better covenant and acted upon better promises. So when you go back to keep the old covenant, you're keeping something inferior to Christ's covenant. He makes a clear distinction between the law of Moses and its covenant and its priesthood between of Christ. And he's making this to these Hebrews so they would not go back and do establish something secondary. In yeah. Hebrews 10, oh, do you want to say something? No, I was just going to say that basically we, we go back to Scripture that under Christ we're emphasizing faith. Under the Old Testament law of Moses, there was an emphasis on action or basically actions that you did. Both were required, but the Jews tended to go with those actions, with those ceremonies, rather than with the they faith They were supposed to have the heart to serve God, but they didn't. They, just, they didn't. They just and and that. that's why it says in... When you in, get a strict law, that's what happens. It's yeah. why it says in, in Hebrews, he says, it's always been this way. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's part of, that's part of that emphasis on faith. Right. Now, he goes back under unbelief, and this is in Hebrews 2, and I, I think this is a much, maybe I'm diverting from what you wanted to say, but okay. in, in, in Hebrews Three, he says, for who having heard rebelled, he's talking about those who came out of Egypt. Was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And whom did he swear that they could not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. What does he do? He equates disobedience with unbelief. Unbelief. And, and and that would be that's what they, that's the point that they missed. You cannot have faith in God and not obey Him. Right. Now that that brings that that, that touches on so many issues in the doctrinal yes. teaching today of many religions. Exactly. Yes. But that is the message that Christ, I think, 
gave to us from the beginning. You cannot have faith if you do not obey. Right. Now, the other thing to remember is we see directly that Christ came and took away the old law so that he could establish another law. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9. And then he said, that's God, Behold, I have come to... Uh, excuse me, that's Christ. Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. That's a prophecy in the Psalms. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. What's the first? The law of Moses. What's the second? Christ's covenant. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Under the first covenant, they offered many bodies of many animals many times over the years. That could not. Because none of them could really take away the sin. sin. But they offered, but on the new covenant that Christ came to make, he, ta- he gives us one body, his body, which takes away sin once for all. And they had to offer those sacrifices by faith. Yes, they, all, they did. It wasn't just a perfunctory matter. But they, when, and they did it by faith. They did their intended purpose. They, they, God forgave them by faith in what they were doing. Now, there, if, we keep, if we think the old law of Moses is still in force, real quickly before we have to wrap up, Here are some necessary conclusions I wrote down, Gary, about this. Number one, if you want to keep the old law and you think it's still in force and your your religion that your denomination you're practicing with is, or people come along and try to get you to obey some Old Testament ordinance about what you eat and what you wear and so forth, we have to keep all of it. If you want to keep one thing, you got to keep all of it. Okay, and that's what that's what Galatians five says and James two says. You're guilty of miss one you missed it all this is especially true if we try to keep only specific parts of it secondly if you want to keep the old law you have to believe that christ has not come yet which of course and that's what galatians three nineteen says that he mm-hmm. came and and that's what does away with the old law the law was the only needed and added until christ came so i don't think you really believe that christ hasn't come why are you going back and trying to keep the old law and thirdly, then, there, there's no forgiveness of sins now, and there's no salvation now, because Hebrews 10, verses 4 and 18 say that there's, there's no forgiveness because the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sins. If, are you, you, are go, you, if you're trying to keep the law, you've fallen you've from You've fallen grace. from grace. We already went over those passages. Yes. And secondly, a th- another point, number four, you have to believe, or uh, the conclusion is, whether you believe it or not, that Jew and Gentile are still separated. The Gentiles are without hope. He pictures the Gentiles without hope uh, because they don't have faith in God, and there's no way for them to have faith in God. In keeping the law of Moses, it wasn't for them. And you can look especially at verse 14 in Ephesians 2 where we saw this. And then lastly, there is no, no new and better covenant and no new promises. Those are some of the conclusions. Now, if you would like a PDF of the stuff we went over this morning, just text us, 772 260 6120. 772 260 6120. I'll send it to you. Or email us at justchristians at att.net. Or after the show airs, you can get an online recording. Yeah, you can get an online recording of this. That's right. Well, uh, we need to go today. We appreciate you listening. Let me give you. Let me encourage you to take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians dot com. Wearejustchristians dot com. Take a look there, and also um, you you can uh, visit us at twenty one ninety six Southwest Savona Boulevard at ten 
and 11 today on Sunday, and then also at 7.30 on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.